0: this series, we've been touching on one uh, main idea and kind of uh, working through the reasons why this doesn't always come to fruition in our lives. So here's the big idea, and it's this. Your one life is meant to make a difference. Uh, God wants your life to make a difference, and every person I've ever spoken to has said they want their life to matter in some way. I've met no one who's ever said, I hope my life amounts to nothing, makes no impact, and I hope I'm forgotten as soon as I breathe my last breath. Everyone wants their life to have some sense of significance, of meaning, of purpose, and God wants that for you. So what we're looking at in this series is the fact that if God wants your life to have meaning, purpose, significance, if we want our lives to make a difference, what holds us back? What keeps us from making that difference that we want to make, and it's often our own excuses and insecurities, and so we've been kind of dismantling some of those uh, excuses throughout this series. We started with the excuse that says, I just don't know where I fit. I want to make a difference, but I don't know where I fit, and we've learned that God created you to fit perfectly somewhere. He's given you talents, a personality, you have passions, and then when you become a follower of Christ, he gives you spiritual gifts, and as a result, you fit somewhere Perfectly. Then we looked at the excuse that says, okay, I want to make a difference, but I don't really have anything to offer. I don't have the time or the resources to really uh, get involved and make a difference. Then last week, we talked about the excuse that says, fine, uh, I'll get involved. I'll do these things, pastor, because somehow you've guilted me, shamed me, or heaped condemnation upon me. So I'll do it, but I don't really think it's going to make a difference anyway. But the fact is, if you're willing to be used by God, he can move. He can move in your life and through your life. Now, this morning, as we wrap up the series, we're going to look at an excuse that is one most of us would never actually articulate. We wouldn't say it. We wouldn't verbalize it. But I believe it's probably one of the excuses that most of us use uh, more frequently than not that keeps us from getting involved and making the difference that God calls us to make. So here it is. It's not what I want to do. I mean, I know it's important. I know it could help someone. I know it could change a life. I know this could have a huge impact, but it's not what I want to do. So I'm not going to do it. Now, most of us don't say it like that because we say that really would sound selfish and self-centered. And so even though internally, listen, if I'm brutally honest with myself, that's the excuse I often use. Like, I just don't want to do it. But what we do is we clean it up. We kind of wrap it up in some spiritual verbiage and, and kind of make it sound sanctified. I see this need, but I prayed about it. I know this person is struggling, but God has told me it's not my need to meet. Uh, you know, I've read the Bible and I, I understand that this is What God would ask of me, but I just see it a little bit different. I just don't believe it's what God's calling me to. I mean, I know he loves people, he cares about them. This person, their life is falling apart, but somehow or other, it's not my responsibility, it's someone else's. And when you get to the heart of it, it's because it's what we don't want to do. But if you want your life to matter, if you want to make a difference, if you want to leave a lasting impact, you have to realize God often calls us to do things we don't want to do. Jesus knew that this was one of the biggest things that would hold us back from making a difference. So he hits it straight on. He doesn't pull any punches. He says, do you want your life to matter? Do you want to make a difference with your life? Here's what you need to do. This is what he says. It's recorded for for us in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Do you want your life to make a difference? Then you have to be willing to lay down your life, deny yourself. You have to be willing to say, I'm going to do things I don't want to do. When God calls me, when God asks me, when God directs me, I'm going to do it the way God asks, how he asks, when he asks, even when it's not what I want to do. I'm going to deny my own desires, my own preferences, the way I would rather get involved and I will get involved how God asks. And Jesus says, if you do that, if you're willing to deny yourself, if you're willing to set those things aside, you'll make a huge impact with your life. But otherwise, your life's not going to amount to much if you just live for what you want, how you want, when you want, why you want. So if your one life is meant to make a difference, and it is, then the key to making a difference is this. The key to making a difference is in learning to deny yourself. And it is a learned thing. It is a difficult thing. It is not how most of us are oriented. We want to live for self. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a difference maker, you have to learn to deny yourself. And it is so, so, so incredibly difficult. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the life of a man named Jonah. Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament prophets, God would give them a word, and they would speak on God's behalf to the people, to the king, to the, uh, the priests, whatever this situation, and he would be their, their mouthpiece. He would, he would speak for God, and then he would also speak to God on behalf of the people. So they were this intermediary between the people and God. And Jonah lived in a time, if you're not familiar with his story, I want to give you some background. He lived in a time when the Israelites, the nation of Israel had um, a lot of tension with a particular group of people called the Assyrians. The Assyrian empire wasn't, uh, it, was a, it bordered the nation of Israel. And the Assyrians were a violent people. They were violent. They were cruel. They were uh, just um, uh, wicked in a lot of ways. Like they'd go to war and they would capture you. They would torture you. They would mutilate you. They would degrade you. It was was just awful and it was terrible. And the people of Israel hated the Assyrians. There was was just a, a, a constant conflict there. Now Jonah grew up in a town that was about 500 miles from the capital city of Assyria called Nineveh. So The Israelites didn't like anybody from Assyria. They particularly didn't like the Assyrians who lived in Nineveh because they represented all this horrible things. And then here's Jonah who grew up 500 miles away. So it's a very real possibility that Jonah's friends or maybe family had been tortured or murdered or mutilated, mistreated in some fashion by the Assyrians. He hates them. The Israelites hate them. they're, They're like God should take them down. But God says, I don't hate them. I don't want to take them down. I love them because God loves everyone. God wants to see them change. He wants to see them repent. He wants to see them go in a different way. So God says, I'm going to give them a word of warning. If they don't change, then destruction is going to come upon them. And so this is what it says that God speaks to Jonah in Jonah chapter one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah And God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away and headed for Tarshish. Jonah says, I hate these people. I don't want anything to do with them. God, why would you give them a warning? Just take them out. But since you're not going to do that, and it's not what I want to do, I know I could help people. I know I could make a difference. I know my life could make an impact, but I don't want to do it. So he heads to Joppa, which is a port city. And then he gets on a boat and he's going to head towards Tarshish. So if his hometown is 500 miles from Nineveh, he's going to try and travel as far as he can away from Nineveh. Tarshish is 2,500 miles away on the very other end of the Mediterranean Sea. So he's going, I'm getting out of here. I'm running away. But God is gracious. God isn't just gracious to the people Nineveh, God's grace is to Jonah because God could have easily said to Jonah, you think you can run away from me? I'll just snap my fingers and melt you like wax. But God doesn't. God says, Jonah, I want the people of Nineveh to repent. I want you to change. So God sends a storm. God sends a whale. God brings Jonah back. And supernaturally, he gives Jonah a second chance. And this is what it says. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This time Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. The Ninevites believed God and when God saw that they did and how they turned from their evil, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. He warns them and they repent. And it's, it's, it's amazing. But here's the problem. Jonah did what he didn't want to do. And as a result, God is gracious to the people of Nineveh. But God says, now, I want to deal with your heart, Jonah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't just strike you down. I brought you back. So I want to talk about this heart of yours. Because God's always after our hearts. And so he has this discussion with Jonah. And, and, and Jonah's just sitting there, and he sees God's grace, and he's angry. And this is what it says in Jonah chapter 4. It says, to Jonah, God's grace is not his relenting. It seemed very wrong he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love, who relents from sending calamity. That is the heart of our heavenly father. Don't ever think God's trying to get you. God's trying to grab your heart. Now, Lord, take my life from me for it's better for me to die than to live poor jonah the lord replied is it right for you to be angry should i not have concern for the great city of nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people so god is sitting god jonah's sitting there and he's having this temper tantrum with his bad attitude and god confronts him and god says now listen jonah you're sitting here under a tree and you got shade and then i let the tree die and you're mad because the tree died but you don't care about the lives of over 120,000 people. Your priorities are wrong. So God confronts him, And you got to imagine that the, the, con, the conviction at that moment has to feel, oh, I think I missed the point. So here's a question. Who is it that if God asked you right now to go and share the love of Jesus with in a tangible way, you'd say, um, not that person not that person. I know what they did. I know what they said. I know how they treated me. I view life different than them. I view um, politics different than them. I view social issues different from them. I would never help that person. That's the heart that Jonah had. And that's the heart that we have to say, I don't want that heart. Listen, there are people here, uh, not here, there are people who, um, uh, when Paul Pelosi was attacked in his home earlier uh, or late last week, Somebody breaks into his home and smashes his head with a hammer. There are people, I'm not saying they were Christians. I'm saying they have a very different political leaning than Paul Pelosi. His wife is the Speaker of the House. And they probably, I know people, I saw things on Facebook. Oh, they were gleeful. That's shameful. That is shameful. And if that, somehow you say he got what he deserved. Oh, fall on your knees and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Paul Pelosi deserves the grace of God just like everyone else. So you have to get to the point where you say, God, I will live denying myself what I want, what I think is right, what I think is justice, and do what you ask, what you say is right, and trust justice to you. See, when you begin to deny yourself, all of a sudden you're not living the way you want to live, you're living the way God wants you to live. You're not doing things the way you want to do it, you're doing things the way God wants. You're not giving the way you think you should give, you're giving the way God asks you to give. And it makes a huge impact. It changes lives. When we deny ourselves, Jonah denied himself, it changed the course of an entire nation. And I believe that as followers of Christ, if we will learn to deny ourselves, we could change the course of so many lives around us. Instead, we say, not that person, not that way, and not, uh, not me, somebody else. And God says, you know, I've chosen you to make a difference. So what is it? Why is it so hard for us to shift from living and doing the things we want to doing the things that God asks us? It's because we don't really fully embrace what Jesus said. If you want your life to make a difference, you have to deny yourself. We think I can define my significance. I can define my purpose. I can define what it means to live a life of meaning. Instead of saying, God, I want to see it your way. So I want to touch on three things. If we will begin to embrace this whole idea that Jesus says, deny yourself, what it does for us. The first is this. Denying yourself keeps you focused on others. If you want to make a difference with your life, it's not about... We get caught up in, in the idea of I want, to make, I want to make a difference. And it's this big glaring statement that means nothing. You have to think about, I want to make a difference in this person's life, in this situation, in this circumstance. Not just in ethereal terms, I want to make a difference. So it doesn't mean anything. You have to think about that one person, that one situation, that one life that you can impact. Because your life is made to make, meant to make a difference, but it might be in only one other life. And I'm telling you, when you focus on other people, it also helps you grow spiritually. You're probably here, uh, for some reason, if you're a follower of Christ and you show up at church Sunday after Sunday, you join us online, it's because you have some desire to grow spiritually. You may come for other reasons, uh, relationships and friendships, but if you're investing an hour of your life week after week, it's probably because you want to grow spiritually. And when you focus on other people. It helps you grow spiritually because what you're doing is you're taking the truth of God's word What jesus asks and you're applying it when you live the way jesus asks you to live you grow spiritually The converse is this if you're not willing to deny yourself You'll never grow and be as strong spiritually as you want. It's like exercise, right? If you don't exercise you don't get stronger if you exercise your muscle your skeletal Structure your tendons all that stuff gets stronger If you don't exercise, you get weaker. If you don't exercise humility and sacrifice and surrender and servant-hearted living, you'll never grow spiritually. So you have to, and I have to learn to deny ourselves and think about others. This is what it says for us in Philippians. Do not do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others as better than yourselves. Don't do the things just that you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, the way you think is best. Do it the way God asks you to do for the benefit of others. Because when you do, it makes a huge impact. So let me give you an example, okay? Um, the, the idea of, of the abortion issue, okay? You, you, I don't, doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum of, of abortion. Here's the issue. The Bible teaches us in james it says do you want to know what pure undefiled genuine religion is in the sight of your heavenly father to care for the orphans and the widows in their distress we can make it about protesting or we can say i want to care for those who i can help And any given day in the state of Delaware, there are 50 boys and girls that are, just in the state of Delaware, 50 boys and girls that are looking for a home. But it's not what I want to do, right? I know you might not want to open your home, be a foster parent, be a CASA worker, be an adoptive family. It's easier to go somewhere and hold up a placard and yell. It's way easier. I get that. But Jesus says, deny yourself. Do the things you might not want to do because when you do the things you don't want to do, you impact lives and you make a difference. So at some point you have to say, if I want my life to matter, I can't make my life about me. I have to make it about others. And denying yourself keeps others front and center in your life. Here's the next thing denying yourself does. Denying yourself allows you to fulfill God's calling. I hear people say all the time, Pastor, if I, just, if I just knew what God was calling me to, if I just knew my, his plan for my life, if I knew his purpose, I could be used so much. Here's the wonderful thing. You do know. You might just not know it, but you do know. It says, it records it for us in the Bible. Here's what it says. It is God himself who has made us. He made us what we are and he's given us new lives From Jesus Christ and ages past, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. You want to know what you're called to? You want to know what your purpose is? Do you want to know what God's plan for your life is to help others? Listen to me. You are called to make a difference. We get confused sometimes. We think we're called to a position. We're called to a platform. We're called to a place. You're not. You're called to make a difference. You're promoted to a position. You're promoted to a platform. You're promoted to a place. When you're faithful with little, when you serve others, when you deny yourself, when you consistently say, I'm going to leverage everything I have to make a difference in the lives of others, God notices and he says, now I'll promote you, but that's not your calling. People ask me, Justin, when did you receive your pastoral calling? This is my belief. You, you can argue with me and you're probably right and I'm wrong. I don't believe anyone receives a pastoral calling. I believe as you faithfully serve, God says, now here's an opportunity and you can walk in it because you've shown yourself faithful. But so many people just sit on their hands and say, I'm waiting until I get a call to pastoral ministry, till I'm given a platform to preach on, till God calls me to some foreign country where I can use my gifts. And all around you is needs and you won't deny yourself. Every day, Jesus says, every day you have to lay your own desires down and live the way I ask you to live. And you will make a huge impact. So denying yourself keeps people first in your life. Denying yourself allows you to fulfill God's calling in your life. And the third thing is this. Denying yourself opens your life to God's blessings. Listen, we think of God's blessings in terms of almost... Uh, exclusively uh, material blessings, financial blessings. And it is that, but it's not just that. God wants to bless you in your relationships. He wants to bless you in your coming and your going to be a person of influence in your business dealings. He wants to bless you um, in every imaginable way with a, a good mind and uh, intellect. He wants to bless you with the ability to have deep, meaningful conversations with people. He wants to bless you so that you can be an influencer in people's lives. He wants to bless you in countless ways. And when you deny yourself, you walk in God's blessing. This is what it says in 1 Peter. Do not be hateful and insult people just because they're hateful and insult you. Instead, treat everyone with kindness. Listen, you're mistreated. You're hurt. Someone does you wrong. Someone does somebody you love wrong. Somebody mistreats a friend or a family member. And what do we want to (laughs) do? We want to get back. We want to get even. We want to get our pound of flesh. But Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, it's not about what you want to do. I know what you want to do, but be kind instead. Well, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be kind. I mean, maybe you do. I don't. Somebody mistreats somebody I know or I love or mistreats me. The last thing I want to do is show kindness. They hurt me. I'm going to hurt you back. I can do it better. Um, So... What Peter's saying is deny yourself, deny yourself, deny. When you deny yourself, when you don't do that thing you want to do, but you do the thing that God asks you to do, what's the result? He says, you will be living as God's chosen ones and he will bless you. When you deny yourself, God says, I'll pour my blessings in your life. Listen, Christmas is coming. I love Christmas. I've always loved Christmas. When I was a kid, I loved Christmas. As a parent, I love Christmas when my kids were little. I, I love it. I love the bells and the smells. When my kids were little, I do all kinds of crazy fun things because I just, I love Christmas. I love Christmas music. After Thanksgiving, glory to Jesus. <laughs> I love Christmas movies. One of my favorite Christmas movies of all time is It's a Wonderful Life. I watch it just about every year. And every year, it kind of chokes me up and brings me, uh, I don't cry, I'm not a crier, but it brings tears to my eyes. And, and, and I'll tell you why. If you're not familiar with the story, let me, let me kind of paint the picture for you. The main character is a man named George Bailey. It's played by Jimmy Stewart. Now, George Bailey, what he wants is to get out of Bedford Falls. He wants to travel, go on adventures. He wants to see the world. What he doesn't want is to be stuck in this little town of Bedford Falls. He wants his life to be important, but that's not what he gets. He denies himself, and he ends up living in Bedford Falls. He takes over the family business, and he invests his life in helping others, helping them get ahead just a little bit, helping them to get into a decent home, helping them to have a roof over their head. But towards uh, the end of a move, the end of the movie, he finds himself in this tragic situation where he is in need. And so he cries out to God, God, I need a miracle. I need help. I need supernatural provision. God sends an angel and the angel is, well, the angel. Uh, We don't even know if he was actually an angel because, you know, he was uh, trying to get his wings. But through that intervention at the very end of the movie, he's still in need. He still has this need. He's understood now that his life has made a difference, but he still has this need. And how is the need met? Every one of the people that he had served, that he had invested his life in, that he had spent so much of his time that he had denied himself and said, you're more important than me. They showed up and they were just throwing money on the table. And one person said, George, I heard you were in need. I didn't even know what it is, but I'm here. And by the end, they said, now you're the richest man in Bedford Falls. It brings me to tears. It chokes me up because it's the realization that when you deny yourself, God will bless you. You don't know how, you don't know when, but I'm telling you, God will see it and God will move. But we don't want to deny ourselves. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and we wonder why our lives don't make the difference that we desire. So I hope you're beginning to see the power of denying yourself, how critical that is, because when we begin to live like that, all of a sudden God says, I'm going to take what you have. I'm going to take your, pa- your passions, your personality, your gifts. I'm going to take the little bit that you have. I'm going to take your willingness to use it, even if you don't think it will matter. And I will move in a supernatural way. But it means that we have to change our way of thinking. If you want to begin to deny yourself, you need to have this mentality. And here it is. I will get involved however God asks. That's the, that's the mindset you need to embrace. God, I'll get involved however you ask, not only however I want. I'll give however you ask, not just how I want. I'll serve wherever you ask, not just where I want. I'll go wherever you ask, not just where I want. I'll serve whoever you ask, not just who I want. And that is so incredibly difficult because it means I have to say, God, it's not about me. So here at Hickory Ridge, and I'm going to talk about specifically how you can begin to deny yourself and get involved in Hickory Ridge, but you have to apply this beyond just the church. We just don't have time to talk about every context that this plays itself out in. But Getting involved how God asks means this, getting involved by giving. You get involved by giving. You you give the way God asks you to give. See, giving is, I believe, one of the most selfless acts there is. Generosity, saying I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give consistently, I'm gonna give faithfully. We don't don't, usually, when you give, you know what you get from it? Nothing. I mean, you, you get a moment of feeling good and then you got less in your bank account. And then it's easy to say, oh, I don't like how this, this, that. And When you give, you're being selfless. So give the way God asks. Now, I just want to say, if you don't, giving is better than not giving. Because if you don't give, give. But if you give, give the way God asks. And the way I understand it, the way we believe here, Hickory Ridge, it means to give back to the local church. 10% back to the local church is called a tithe. But if you don't give anything, give something. But if you give something, okay, God, can I take that step and begin to give? Because when you give to the local church, you partner with us to make a huge, huge difference. For example, our national partner, Hoving Home. When you give to Hickory Ridge, you help women find freedom from addiction. Drugs, alcohol, prostitution, all those kind of things. Hundreds of women across the country have been helped because you partner with us and we partner with them. You help uh, girls In in West Africa and Thailand, uh, stay safe from human trafficking. Hundreds of girls in in, uh, Thailand, and and it's getting to be in the hundreds soon in in West Africa. You help them stay safe to have a future. You help bring education to the girls and boys in those areas. There's schools that we partner with, with our international partner, Global Servants, a school that services some 300 kids. One of the premier schools in that area, and they make it so affordable. School isn't free in, in Ghana but they make it as, as affordable as any school. They're actually less because we help to underwrite that. There's, uh, they're working on bringing sanitation and clean water to the villages out in Thailand and West Africa so that they have safe drinking water and they have uh, clean places to uh, take care of human needs. If you don't know what that means, ask your mother. Um, but when you partner with us, you help do those things. Churches, over 40 churches that are planted all in, in West Africa. So when you give to the local church, you help advance the cause of Christ and hundreds and thousands of people's lives are impacted. Last week I talked about um, wanting to uh, create affordable uh, housing in this local area because it's a need. And when you give to the local church, so, so this Christmas, here at Hickory Ridge, once a year we take a special offering. It's only at Christmas take it usually the, the two weeks before Christmas, so this year it'll be the 18th and the 25th because Christmas is on a Sunday. Uh, it's the one special offering we take. This year, 100% of it is going to help to build an affordable, uh, affordable housing. And, and so um, when you give to that, you help us do that. Because if we're going to make housing affordable, it means we have to invest. And some of you have land that you can make available. Some of you have um, resources and material and knowledge and know-how that you can invest. Some of you can underwrite 25, 50, 100% of one home. When you invest in that, it makes a difference. All of a sudden, that single mom uh, can can feel safe. All of a sudden, that woman who got out of uh, drugs and alcohol has a new place to start fresh. All of a sudden, that uh, couple that's retired or about to retire but the the economy has crashed all around them it says you know i can i can have some peace of mind here in these last season of my life whatever the case might be there's a way that you can get involved and make a difference but it means denying yourself you get involved by giving another way is this you get involved by volunteering there's so many ways you can uh, volunteer here at hickory and here's the thing most of it happens here on a sunday and you know what I know this is a newsflash for those of you. Now, if you're online, this doesn't apply to you because you're not here. But for those of you who are here, you're already here. I know you're like, wait, what? You're already here. So to serve when you're already here means just serving where you already are. And you say, but i just like to come and worship God. Great. (laughs) You know, we have a nine o'clock, right? So you come at nine and you serve and then you hang out to the 11 and worship and you say, I don't know if I like that. Okay, come to the nine to worship and hang out at the 11 and serve. They both work. No, but there's so many ways you could serve. Sing uh, with what we're doing online. Uh, We engage with people all across the country every week in our online services. Videography. I would love to see someone. We used to have a girls' dance team, and, and I would love to get that going again because there is something precious, I believe, in the eyes of our Heavenly Father when he sees these little girls using their passion and their gifts and their talents to worship God. There's so many ways, our children's ministry, our student ministry. If you say, I don't want to just serve on a Sunday, great. We have people here that run nursing homes. You can go visit people in the nursing home, serve in Code Purple where it helps provide a place and shelter for homeless people during the cold winter months. There's so many ways that you can volunteer. But here's the last one. Getting involved means inviting. This is the one we don't like to do the most. Even though it's the one that Jesus, what we call the Great Commission, his last words to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, it's what we don't wanna do. But it means inviting people to come and see, to come and experience, to come and explore who God is, his love for them, his plans for their life, the fact that he's a gracious God, he's a long-suffering God, he cares about them and he has a plan and a purpose for their life. So invite them, just come on out. Come on out and check out God. No strings attached. Listen, we're doing a Christmas concert on December 16th, 15th and 16th. Denver and the Maya High Orchestra. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's a great time. Buy tickets. Invite somebody. Just, just say, come out and have fun. Sing Christmas carols. Realize that this is an okay place to be. Invite them to any of our Sundays during uh, the Christmas season. We have Christmas with a cause. Every Sunday there's something different that they can just hear about how they could be involved if they want to and hear about how this church is endeavoring to make a difference in the local community with uh, clothing and food and those type of things. Invite them to the candlelight service. Invite them to church on the 25th. You say, but who wants to go to church on Christmas? You know there are people who don't have anywhere to go on Christmas. And you can invite them to say, come out with a few hundred people. And they may feel a love and an acceptance that they've never experienced before. Do you know the number one reason why people come to a church, whether it's in person or online, you can always invite them online. Somebody did that this morning. They went on social media, invited, and they had two people joined online. Invite them to join online. But do you know the number one reason? It's because they're invited by a friend. So invite them. Come on out. This is so important to the heart of Jesus. Next week, we're going to start a three-week series called Life on Mission because there's no greater time, there's no greater cause, and there's no greater responsibility than the gospel, the good news, the love of Jesus. And we're called to be involved in sharing that, inviting people into that life-changing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So what does all this mean? It means that if you will embrace what Jesus said... you'll deny yourself you'll pick up your cross every day and say god i'll do this the way you ask me i'll help who you ask me i'll do it the way you ask me your life will make a huge difference if you want your life to matter be involved in what matters because i'm telling you when you see a life changed when you see a marriage changed when you see a family changed all of a sudden you say it's all worth it not only is there life here on earth completely redirected, but I know their eternity is going to be completely different. And you say it's worth it, but it means putting down the excuse. If you're not serving, serve. If you're not giving, give. If you're not inviting, invite. If you're not denying yourself, then you'll never make the impact that God wants you to make. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, and I'm asking by your grace, by your Holy Spirit, right now begin to reveal to us Where do we need to make a shift? Where do we need to make a change? Now God, make it personal. Where do I need to make a shift? Where do I need to make a change? Where am I unwilling to deny myself and serve that person, those type of people, in that environment, in that way? Where am I not willing to give how you ask me to give, to serve how you ask me to serve, to lay down my life God, when we leverage everything for your kingdom, oh, it makes a huge difference and it matters and our lives will matter. Now, as you're praying and you're just asking God to show that to you, here's what I'm going to ask. The greatest difference you can ever experience in your life is the difference that a relationship with God through Jesus Christ makes. Your life is meant to make a difference, but it starts by allowing the life that Jesus lived to make a difference in your life. It means saying, I've made some mistakes and I've lived for myself and I've hurt people and I've wounded people and I can't fix all those things. But I can experience grace and forgiveness and I can be different moving forward. God knows you and loves you and he loves you so much he sent his own son. God in the person of Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life and died a brutal death but three days later he rose from the dead and he says if you'll just accept that free gift of of a changed life an exchanged life you give me your life and I'll give you mine you'll experience the difference a life in Christ can make so if that's you this morning if you're joining us online if you're here just raise your hand and say I want to receive that I want to make that change I want to experience that difference. Now, whether you raise your hand or not, I'm going to invite everyone to pray this prayer after me. Just repeat these words after me. And if you mean this, if you mean this, exact words aren't what matters. It's the heart and the sincerity. And if you mean this, you're giving your life to Christ and your life will never, ever, ever be the same. Just repeat after me, everyone. Heavenly Father, I come to you now and I give you my life. I give you my mistakes my failures, my sins, the way I've hurt others, the way I've hurt myself, and the way I've hurt you. Please forgive me. Take it all. I receive new life in Christ. The old is gone, and the new has come. God, fill me now with your Holy Spirit that I could live for you, that I can make a difference for you, and that I will spend eternity with you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, when we finish here, please come forward. We wanna celebrate with you. We wanna encourage you on how to take those next steps in this new life. If you join us online and you prayed that prayer, click the connect with us button so we can follow up with you because you're not meant to live this life and this journey alone. But now I'm gonna ask if everyone would stand to their feet. As this next song is played, I don't know where you need to surrender. I don't know where you need to say, I need to lay this down, God. I'm living for myself. I'm doing what I want, not what you want. I'm doing it how I want, not how you want. I'm doing the things that only matter to me. And if you need to surrender some of that, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. As this next song is played, there are not going to be any prayer teams up front. But if you want to just come and kneel, pray, get in just a space with you and God, You could do that at your seat, but if you want to do it up front, the altar's going to be open, you can do that. So I just want to invite you to surrender those things to God here this morning as we worship him.